0: what's up everyone welcome to my corner of the internet I'm your host Ryan Kramer and this is crossover commerce presented by ping pong payments the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money each episode on here will feature leaders in the digital space to help entrepreneurs grow their knowledge and understanding of the Amazon and e-commerce world let's get started what's up everyone Ryan Kramer with crossover commerce thanks for another joining us for another episode live on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, This is episode 25. Thanks for joining us again. If this is your first time, welcome. Uh, Our show is majorly focused around giving a perspective on different assets of Amazon and e-commerce. I am the host of this show. I like to call everyone of the show a friend and people who give different perspectives uh, to help you an Amazon seller or an e-commerce brand or an e-commerce entity in general, a different, way to kind of look at the world of e-commerce. But what I do with the show is I bring on different people every single day, or at least almost, it feels like every single day, uh, to kind of talk about different topics. Today, we're actually talking about uh, how to recover lost money on Amazon. It almost sounds like a scam, but it's not. It's truly not. Uh, But I brought in one of my uh, former colleagues, I say colleagues, peers, uh, (laughs) from when I was working on Vyra Launch. Uh, His name is Joseph over at uh, Seller Locker. Joseph, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, we're we're just chatting a little bit. Uh, we've actually known each other before ping pong, uh, going back to when I was working with Viral Launch, But you've been around at Seller Locker. Gosh, it feels like forever. It seems like, or at least I'm assuming it feels like forever for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, for yeah, for people who don't know who Seller Locker is or what who you are, uh, give us a quick uh, personal like intro of yourself. Maybe how you got to where you are. How you started co you know co started Seller Locker, and then uh, what you guys are doing today.
1: Awesome. For sure. So, uh, nice seeing you again. It's been a long time. Absolutely. And thanks for having me. Um, so for those who don't know, um, cell locker is a reimbursement software and maybe if I can grab the screen. So we started this company about three years ago. Initially, I was a uh, e-comm director for this pretty big company called equity brands. And, um, in working as that e-comm director, we kind of needed to, streamlined many parts of the business so you know can't do every single thing every single day and the bigger the business and the more the business scales the harder it is to manage and one of the biggest challenges that we had was um, the reimbursement space you know trusting a third party provider to blindly open up cases on our behalf was something that we didn't feel comfortable doing at the time um, and we kind of wanted to create our own system so what we did was this we created this tool, we called it briefcase internally. It was this little software that we built to open up cases, get some insight into our profitability. Um, and after recovering a few hundred thousand dollars, we said, hey, this is really you know a powerful product. Let's beta test this with a few of our friends and family. And before you knew it, we jumped into the reimbursement space, uh, both kind of a different approach with the software perspective. And with that perspective, we were able to go after different types of cases, um, go after Um, Go a little bit deeper into these cases, give the seller the transparency that they were looking for. And definitely the bigger sellers, the transparency that they were looking for. And eventually that took us to also adding on the service part of Seller Locker, because even though, you know, it works with just a few clicks of a button, a lot of sellers are still too busy and they don't don't have the manpower to do this in-house and that's when we um, release the service portion. So today, SellLocker has the software part of our business. We have the service part of our business where we have virtual assistants working on your account using the same software that I guess I'll show you in a little bit, um, helping sellers recover tens of thousands of dollars a month. And we have you know an end-to-end solution taking a case from the beginning stages, which is prepping a claim all the way to getting that, cl- that claim resolved with going back and forth with Amazon many times. And I guess we'll, we'll we'll jump into that when I show you a small demo of the tool.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we, we like like I said, for anyone who's like curious, just, you know, what what is this recovery tool or just what's recovery for Amazon in general? We'll go very high level, obviously. Joseph is a colleague and a person who who knows what he's talking about. But this show obviously is centered around just kind of making people aware that this kind of a solution or these kinds of like tactics exist. So walk me through, I'm an Amazon seller. I am selling day to day. I think everything's perfectly fine. It's honky dory. I I think sales are crushing it. Where, where does seller locker kind of come into play? Like what's that misconception that, that Amazon sellers are are maybe getting?
1: Right. So great question. So, um, Sellers are totally busy, consumed with sales, consumed with you know replenishment, advertising, and what ends up happening is they send inventory to Amazon. Um, that that inventory gets there either completely or partially. There's you know some mistakes that can happen there at the receiving process. Um, let's assume things got there you know all fine and well. All that inventory was received at any point throughout the process. After that, you know it gets received by Amazon. That inventory can get lost, damaged. Um, Amazon can randomly remeasure one of your products, increasing your FBA fee. Um, There could be some customer returns, customer damages, the 17 different types of things that can happen to your inventory or ways that Amazon could potentially overcharge you. And sellers really don't have the time to just audit Amazon all day long. Uh, They'd rather stay, you know, into sales and into advertising, things that are going to increase their business, but they don't have enough time to look at the leakage that's happening on their account.
0: Um, right. So, yeah. And people just don't, people might be asking like, Amazon does these kinds of things. Like I, I didn't realize that what's uh, Amazon, you know, will change my measurements. Well, that, I mean, that's, those are all scary things, uh, to, to maybe like a first time seller or someone who just hasn't thought about this. Uh, what's kind of the, not, not reason, like Amazon never really has a reason, right? They always just do what they, they do for one way or another, but what, what is it that brought kind of this like attention to like people like yourself or like Atita or any other company that, that maybe like helps people recover money. What's, you know, wh- where, was that? Like people were realizing, oh crap, like this, this is something that I'm missing out on six figures, seven figures, potentially, on just like lost or damaged items.
1: Right. So this space has been here for a while. Um, at least seven years. Right. Uh, why we jumped in was that need for transparency um and and many companies feel the same way where they maybe have someone in house or so they at least want to watch the entire process you know when we got into the space it was just kind of like this uh, black box of hey there's reimbursements i can't tell you anything about it um but you can just sign up and we'll send you free money but you know for a company our size we were curious okay we see we're getting back money but how many cases are we losing how many cases is amazon denying us is there certain scenarios where if we had an additional document can we have pushed that case forward um, what about FBA fees? That was something that was not done, uh, you know, three years ago. So we said, hey, you know, perhaps with more transparency and with some automation, we can take this to the next level internally. Um, I'll show you one or two examples of what I what I mean by that. But that was kind of the gist, you know, how can we bring software, um, keep that personal touch by having our people manage the software and potentially take that reimbursement to the next to the next level, get as much back as we can.
0: That's awesome. And, and does this, does this like happen for, uh, we're an international show. So this is people who are listening from, and we'll, we'll kind of like them through hello, everyone who's joining again. If you're listening on LinkedIn or on, uh, Facebook or on YouTube, everyone, hello, welcome to the show. Thanks for, thanks for kind of chiming in. If you have questions, obviously definitely answer or reach out to us, whether, whether this is live or re-what rewatching. On YouTube or Facebook later, we'll definitely make sure we tag Joseph or whomever we, you know, we can to <laughs> answer that question for you. So, uh, so when we're an international company, we're located all around the world. People are listening from India, China, um, you know, uh, South Korea. Uh, we we have people from all over Europe. When you're an Amazon seller, does this affect just United States market, or does does this affect international marketplaces as well? So it affects, I know for a fact
1: it, it it affects Europe, Canada, Mexico. So it's really in all different places wherever Amazon has fulfillment centers um, or customers, and we know they have customers everywhere. There's these issues can arise. Customer returns, customer damages. So it's definitely an international problem to answer your question.
0: Yeah. So what so when everyone's a seller, what are they gonna be looking for? How do you how do you spot this if you're doing it yourself? Or maybe what's the difference between spotting it yourself? Uh, looking at it every day um, if someone's doing that versus an automation of a software tool like you guys?
1: Sure. So that's I guess that's a great starting point. But someone doing it themselves, it really depends how big they are. Um, someone who's just getting started on Amazon definitely has their hands full. You know, it's their first time doing things. They send their inventory to Amazon. And unless you know, you're know you looking at the settlement reports and you're looking at um, your orders and the price of the FBA fees that are coming in on a really hourly or daily basis, um, you have to look at the movement of inventory from different warehouses. There's a bunch of different reports, about 10 or 12 different reports that sellers can download from Amazon um, periodically, run them against each other, and then open up claims. Um, there's a ton of people, there's a ton of you know YouTube videos out there that show you how to do it manually. Um, the problem with doing that is it takes you away from the things that you should be focusing on. In addition to that, and maybe this is a good segue, even if you know how to open up that claim for the first time, and let me know if you can see my screen.
0: Yeah, I'll, let me add you in here real quick. Perfect. Yeah, go can ahead. Yep, I got gotcha. you.
1: So even if sellers figured, so this is our dashboard, and this is where we tell sellers about the information. This is where our virtual assistants also take actions to open up cases with just a few clicks. But um, even if a seller did know how to open up a claim, the hardest part I'd say these days is following up. So this is a case response from Amazon. So a case was open, Amazon lost some inventory in their warehouse. And now imagine you get a, a response like this, and a really lengthy response. Amazon wants you to read a few policies. They drop specific internal lingo, like fair market value. It's kind of impossible for sellers and even for service companies, other, other of our competitors that are out there. And we had this issue as well. How are we supposed to respond to cases like this? If we're opening up thousands of cases a day for our sellers, um, tens of thousands a week, how are we supposed to dedicate 10 to 15 minutes? And for someone who's you know not, not experienced, maybe 30 minutes to read all the pos- policies necessary and then type up you know, a crafty response to send back to them and disprove them, it really becomes impossible um, to do it manually for sure. So if anyone's doing this in-house on their own, if they figure out how to open up their case for the first time, following up is going to be the challenge. And going back, this can go back and forth with Amazon four to five times, as we've seen through our experiences, um, what Seller Locker did and, and service companies have the same issue. You know, if they have 10 or even 30 virtual assistants managing the hundreds of thousands of clients that they have, are they going to every single claim, the thousands of claims that they're opening up a day and responding to each one. And it can, like I said, go back four or five times.
0: So you're saying, so to, to kind of like circle back real quick. So Amazon with these kinds of claims, again, this is this lost, damaged goods, um, re re measurement tools, or like, uh, they, they say your product is one dimension or this heavy it's not, um, Amazon itself is having VAs that are going to be looking at each of these cases. Is that what, is that what you mentioned? So, so
1: Customer support. So we open up a case for the first time, right? We right. open up that claim and same thing that everybody else is doing. We open up a claim. Now, Amazon, as you can see, has some pushback for you. Now they're, they're they're giving us a response and then now we have a response and now they have a response and then we fi- it's not a one time clicking a button or figuring out how to run the report and pushing it. You need a full blown process to manage the back and forth with Amazon, taking the case to the next level um, until you finally get that reimbursement in the end. And the challenge mm-hmm. is figuring out how to respond to Amazon. So it's not just about opening up that case for the first time, but it's having a follow-up process in place. And we're, you know this is where, like I mentioned earlier, having that software and the service function mm-hmm. in our company, we were able to solve this problem once and for all, and we built this tool that can understand and respond to over 120 different cases from Amazon. So on the spot, instead of you know virtual assistants being trained to understand how to respond to this or a seller themselves being frustrated with how they're supposed to handle a case like this, our tool on the spot can understand and disprove amazon with just one click so we're able to read off the page using machine learning we're able to put together a crafty response and just with this one click we're going to respond back to this claim disproving amazon with their own policies Um, and that's the perfect is really the perfect example of how through automation and through software we were able to bring a lot of what we did in-house and a lot of what we learned over the course of the last three years and give the sellers an end product that can take a case all the way to the end. Many times the case just stops after that first response from Amazon and sellers don't know how to respond to cases. Uh, and, and some companies, the virtual assistants that they're using aren't trained well enough to respond to these very difficult types of cases. Uh, and that's where the auto- automation kind of kicks in.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So what, what when cases like this kind of exist, what's kind of the number one way that a seller can maybe get you know, get get a message like this because Amazon will, well, you have to first insta get the message correct, or you have to insta get the case. They're doing that, you're doing that through a seller, you know, your, your seller account. Is that, is that, yeah,
1: I mean, we run account. specific APIs um, in the back end, then we crunch the numbers and we have an output and we open up a case right. to Amazon,
0: right? So, what's what's kind of from the data you guys collected over the past couple of years, what's the number one reason why people are losing their money?
1: So the big 3 are, you know, oh, yeah, give us three. three. Give it hit it hit inbound us with the top three. 3. Inbound payments are the biggest. Um, okay. that's the biggest category.
0: So that that's from a warehouse or a um or a factory to a fulfillment center, correct?
1: Yes, yeah, so from a warehouse to a fulfillment center, the issue there is sometimes Amazon will receive it under the wrong shipment. They'll they lose partial uh, a part of the shipment. and the challenge there um is having the right documents that you need to prove Amazon wrong. So to prove that, Hey, my item got picked up when it got picked up, all the inventory was there and bringing that proof to Amazon. Um, many sellers don't have a system in place to keep store, you know, keep track of their documents or their bill of ladings. Uh, and what SellLocker locker did to, to go ahead and offset that as we have in our tool, an area where sellers can go ahead and upload documents. They can even take a picture on their cell phone of a BOL and text it to Uh, you know, there's sell a locker cell phone number, every seller gets a phone number and then we'll save those documents and bring them automatically to the case. So we're in the business of, you know, figuring out what the issues are, understanding it, breaking it down and then creating tools to piece it all back together because it's really hard for sellers. to now, you know, where's that document? I know you just opened up a case, but it's been about 50 or 60 days since I've last sent out that shipment, uh, with the tools that we have, we're piecing the entire puzzle together, but through tools you know, and now sellers can just whip out their cell phone, take a picture and text it. And we'll go ahead and open up those cases with the right documents.
0: Cool. So almost like a, like an Amazon lawyer, if you will, like, Hey, the proof of the bird, you know, the burden, the proof and trying to say like, no, you're actually wrong Amazon. So what, when you bring a case to Amazon, obviously there, there's probably tons of cases that are constantly going. People want their goods back because what's, what's an example. Maybe you can, you can share with us of, Hey, maybe Amazon, you know, mislabeled one thing by an inch or something like that, or a right, right. pound or something like that. What's something you could share with people to show how that kind of stacks up in, in all reality over time, you know, you just lost out on all that money. Right. So I'll show you one of those. Um, and, and while, and while Joseph brings that up for everyone who's joining live again, this is crossover commerce, our show to kind of give you as Amazon and e-commerce sellers and different perspective and different information on how to better yourselves in the Amazon e commerce space. Uh, the show runs consistently. Uh, we're on episode 25 now, and we have co founder of Seller Locker, Joseph. Um, he's showing us, you know, just about recovering money that you might have lost uh, in various assets, uh, facets of Amazon in the logistics side or the seller side or fulfillment side. Um, so he's showing us kind of just just the small details that Amazon might have tweaked that you as a seller might have missed. And then where that kind of adds up over time because with ping pong payments, we're all about saving US customers money. This is this is what Joseph uh does for a living. So he's gonna show this side of the uh the business how to save um, you guys so yeah.
1: again?
0: Uh let me add it. Let, let me add it. There we go. So like I said, we're all about transparency,
1: um, you know, giving the sellers the information so that we can help them, you know, even more or get more accurate. So these are recent fee changes. So like you mentioned, you know, prices or dimensions can go up and that can happen at any given moment. So as you can see down here, um, even as, you know, as of the sixth this happened, you know, last week, an item just got remeasured randomly and the fee jumped from 732 to 770 or from 580 to 618. And this is going to keep adding up until a seller actually takes action or unless they have a virtual assistant working their account and taking action for them. Um, what happens, what the seller lock can do in these scenarios. So obviously we're tracking it and, um, with one click of a button, but I'll show you some details. What happened here was Amazon has these measurements in their system, 11 by eight, 11, 3, 9, 4, and four 15. that totals up a fee of 1130. What they did here was they over measured this product on a few of the sides. And according to Amazon's you know, tricky classification guide that put them in a different tier or the, the, the numbers that they were running were off because the measurements were off. And now this seller is getting overcharged 398 every single time an item is sold. Uh, and this is gonna keep totaling up until the seller takes action. And even if they do take action, as you can see on the right side, this has happened many times to the seller. So they've won this case many times in the past, but Amazon just for some reason keeps getting it wrong on this product. So what seller locker does is know we're on top of it we're tracking it and with one click of a button we're going to open up a case so that case gets pushed over to um amazon seller central form so just with that clicking that green button we have this form that populates in the text we're going to tell amazon hey i'm getting overcharged for this unit these are the dimensions that you have this is what it should be i've been overcharged in the past um and i've gotten reimbursed in the past so don't confuse that with this claim they do that all the time and these are the and we actually give the sellers the um, orders for this case too. So they click this one button, it downloads the orders. They upload it on the other side. And boom, that case is submitted with just a few clicks of a button. Our virtual assistants do the same functions. They jump on the account and they open up the case the same exact way. And what's gonna happen is that case is gonna get submitted. Hopefully Amazon's gonna remeasure it and get that fee reduced so that they can be, you know, making the profits that they used or they should have been making. Going forward, this seller is going to be you know, taking that profits back to his pocket instead of getting overcharged. And that's what this purple section is uh, in our tool. So every seller that fixes their fees, they don't only get a reimbursement back. So this specific seller got back $117,000 with us. But on top of that, they've also increased their profits. So when you lower your fee, that profit gets added to your pocket. And since they've started using us, they've made another $174,000 worth of profits because of the fees that they corrected.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, so, so when obviously that that's not for every single seller, right? It's not always going to be, Hey, six, six digits. I'm going to like just recover that magically. Obviously if you're selling way less, this is something that it, it's a scalability thing, right? If you're selling millions of yeah. dollars, Amazon, you can potentially recover six figures, seven figures. So so it's, since- it's really
1: From the, the average is from two to 3%. So they're okay. doing a million dollars. They could potentially recover about you know $20,000, ten dollars to $20,000 on average. And the bigger you are, the more money there is out there. However, certain types of products, there are huge mistakes on. We have a seller who sells backpacks. And for whatever reason, even though they just got started, Amazon just keeps measuring that backpack incorrectly by $5. So imagine your profit margin was supposed to be 7 bucks on this SKU. $5 is just disappearing because of a mistake on their end. So it's not always relative to the percentage and the size of your business. Sometimes it's about what you sell. So regardless, every seller should have some type of auditing process in place, whether it's in-house, a third-party service that does it, you know, with virtual assistants or maybe the software and service combination so you can get some insight. But everybody needs an auditing system regardless of how big you
0: are. I mean, that makes makes sense to me. So when we were going back to, like, those top three things of – where people are like where the money your Amazon's basically, you know, me- messing up. Number right. one was fulfillment. Right. So, inbound equipment, inbound, inbound lost,
1: and, lost and damaged. So, that's when Amazon loses or damages inventory. Right. Uh, open up cases the same way. A few clicks of a button, we submit those claims and we follow up. And then FBA fees, which is what I just showed you. So, mm-hmm. Amazon overmeasuring one of the sides of your product or all sides of the product and that. Um, forces the fee that they're calculating to be incorrect. And now that money is owed to you for every single order.
0: So for FBA fees, what what's kind of the breakdown for that, for Amazon, is that based on product dimension or is that based on, um, you weight? know, the, the, it's based on total weight, correct? No, no, so
1: it's depending, it's it's both. So it's, it's a okay. higher of the two. So Amazon has a very complex calculation, length, width times height, divided by, you know, uh, 129 It's a whole calculation and they come out with their fee. But if the weight of the product is more than that, so it's very complex for sellers to understand, but it's could be dependent on their weight or the dimensions of their products that puts them into some classification guide on Amazon's table. And then potentially if Amazon gets one of those measurements wrong, that could put you in the wrong tier. And that's where the mistake happens.
0: So where, where do people get that true value from is that you do from the manufacturer, um, from the, from the get go. Is that where people should get like the true like dimensions of their, of their unit and their goods?
1: So yeah, so many people, we tell them to start with the top 10 best sellers should go to their warehouse and either measure them or go to your manufacturer and get them. A lot of sellers have them already. A lot of sellers, when they created the product, they took all this information down. Some of the other things we do for sellers that don't have them is if they sell a lot of variations of the same product, we'll look for the outliers. So if the base average for this parent listing is you know, 319 and we find one that's 531, we'll call that out as an outlier and ask the seller to confirm um, the specific SKU so that we can open it. Without knowing 100% the correct info with the seller, looking at it now they can just jump on this one SKU, give us the information that they need and we can move forward.
0: Very cool. So when when a seller kind of goes through this and th- they might be approaching like a service or they've never done this before, which is which we're highly suggesting, you should continuously audit how far back if an amazon's seller is selling for like three years or so and they've never so done each,
1: it how far each back category how far is different. Different cases. Sorry, each category is different some categories are 18 months um shipments are nine months which we said was the biggest and then fba fees got reduced from 18 months down to 90 days so you don't have that much time that you can go back which means that you continuously want to keep auditing and submitting these claims. If you wait too long and the orders were done, you know, 95 days ago, all those orders are lost. You can't get that money back. So FBA right. fees are the shortest turnaround, which requires you to be on top of it more regularly.
0: So if in FBA fees over the last year, you had lost a hundred thousand dollars, for example, and in the last 30 days, you know, you lost 30,000. You're probably only, you can only recover $30,000 of that total pie of a hundred thousand dollars. So you've literally lost, from seventy thousand dollars in your pocket, yep. uh, which, which which just sucks, and like it just goes to obviously places that that it should not it shouldn't go. So, um, what how I guess the win rate for you guys, or like what what's kind of like a typical uh, win rate or like recovery rate for something in this industry? Is it more often than not Amazon is wrong, and they're actually you know they screwed up on their in their system and. All the data that they just compile is just misinformation and they're like yep our bad we'll fix that and then they fix it
1: they have a ton going on you know they have millions of shipments probably coming in and out or hundreds of thousands of shipments so it's definitely not i don't believe it's intentional but yeah they have their reporting data and any these mistakes can happen at any point in the process it can get lost on the truck it can get lost at the receiving process when it gets put on the shelves They send inventory from warehouse to warehouse constantly so that they can have your inventory spread across the entire, you know, USA. Um, So there's a lot of room forever. I wouldn't say that it's intentional, but yeah, what up happening is, you know, we know specific inventory was sent, true information from the seller. And we're going to question that against what Amazon received. And um, it's definitely um, dependent on how big the claims are the bigger the claim or the more amount, you know, the more inventory that's being disputed, the harder it is to win those claims. The sweet spot I usually say is under $2,000. That is, you know, the highest success rate of winning a claim is under 2K. Anything over that is gonna definitely be more challenging,
0: but is still winnable. Sure. And so maybe more a topical thing. I think I've seen it going around social media. There is a shipping container from, I think it was, I want to say India or China that was coming over to a fulfillment center, and I want to say that it either capsized or somehow sank, and it was nineteen thousand uh, containers, which has goods from many different warehouses all over the world, or from from that location going to, I believe, an FBA fulfillment center. And in a case like this, um, maybe can you determine the distinction between like shipping, uh, you know, or like lost at sea, or like th- that would be lost goods, obviously. Um, so like an insurance kind of capacity versus like a recovery tool, like seller locker or whatever else there is out there.
1: I don't know that that specific scenario would be Amazon's fault from an FBA perspective, perhaps. Maybe you're referring to maybe a a direct import shipment from Amazon, maybe on vendor central where, you know, took control of the product from China. Now they're responsible for bringing it in, but Amazon is only responsible for the product. Um, Either if one of their own carriers pick it up from your warehouse, so one of their trusted carriers pick it up from their warehouse. So from the second it gets picked up, that's when they will take responsibility for it. Or if you're sending it with your own carriers, the second it reaches the door. So at that point they'll take responsibility. For an FBA seller, most likely if the ship capsized, they're not gonna they're not gonna do anything. Right.
0: Well, I know that was the topical thing going around. And a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, like I hopefully your goods weren't on that ship because obviously that that's kind of like a really rare scenario, but in terms of getting fulfillment or, or your goods to a warehouse for Q1, Q2, uh, that, that's devastating for people, which obviously, um, you know, that's why we should do, you know, insurance on your goods and your, your right. um, and whatnot. Um, I get, uh, a couple other questions I have. And again, for everyone who's listening live, uh, we've been here for about half an hour, or if you're rewatching this later, I know it's super early for West coast. Uh, which again, are you on East coast? Joseph? I always forget. Yeah. yeah. East. You're East coast. So you're, you're awake. It's like, it's like new, almost noon by now. So we're, we're good. We're like three cups of coffee in or um, something like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Almost lunchtime. Um, so with the show, I kind of go into like a little bit more personable, uh, questions or like kind of like, uh, vantage points and then we'll kind of circle back and, and finish up, uh, a couple more questions. If people have them in, uh, on LinkedIn, again, YouTube. Facebook, we're live on all these platforms. Or if you're watching later, we'll make sure we tag Joseph, and he can answer those questions directly as well. When when you get into a fulfillment or like into an industry like this, and you're recovering money, someone's on the hook for paying out. Is that Amazon or is that um, is that is that the carrier itself? Like who's on the hook and who's the one that's paying for these uh, damages?
1: So Amazon's paying it out. It's getting paid from Amazon to your um, by you know biweekly. Uh, payouts from Amazon, so they're they're definitely the ones paying it. They may have their internal, you know, insurance or whatever with these carriers that they're right. using, but it's Amazon who we are speaking to to get the claims back for you.
0: Right. So, so again, the carrier can like have to pay Amazon or vice versa, but Amazon. We don't know the logistics of that. Right. Um, that, that's that's on Amazon's
1: side. <laughs> but I'm sure there's something that goes on there. Uh, but right. from our perspective, we're dealing with Amazon, and in most scenarios, it's their mistake. Um, right. More, more inventory gets lost at their fulfillment center than getting to the
0: fulfillment center. What's a what's a common uh, what's a common practice if somebody is on the it's their mistake uh, a seller's mistake? What what do you see that's a common thread there? Is yeah, it so, they just input information or their data or their files are uploaded incorrectly or?
1: So that's that's a great point. So that's also part of the reason why we are a little bit worried to just give our account over to a a three P to manage for them is sometimes our own warehouse makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. And in that scenario, you know, we don't want to open up claims when we're the ones who made the error, we don't want to get ourselves in trouble. So what Sell Locker, did is for scenarios and we have, you know, statistics and, and we have a filter as to how we sideline these cases, but when there are specific shipments that don't look like this could have been an Amazon mistake, either too much inventory was lost or the entire quantity for that skew never made it to Amazon. We'll sideline specific cases for the seller to confirm. And in those scenarios, the seller can click, yep, I sent this or no, I did not. Or they can adjust the shipment at that point. We're happy to open up the cases, but we don't want to open up cases that aren't accurate. So we'll sideline all these types of cases on the side because the sellers do make mistakes. They think they have this inventory in stock. They create the shipment or maybe someone created the shipment and then the warehouse uh, person got there and the inventory wasn't there or they sold it to somebody else. And they're not going to go back and recreate the new shipment. They just send whatever they have. And that creates a discrepancy, and that's what Amazon really doesn't like. Is you know, you're opening up claims, you're wasting my support services time with cases that aren't true. Um, But what we'll do is we'll sideline them and have the seller just confirm them.
0: Can people get shut down if they open too many cases that they don't win, or their listing gets taken?
1: We've never had a four-hour account. If you go online. A few years ago, there were issues. It wasn't specifically because of that. It was more because cases were getting submitted automatically. I don't know what that means, but that was, that's what I read about online. We we've been in business for three years. We've never had that issue, um, with our accounts.
0: Right? Yeah. I mean, of course, like we don't, we don't want to like bash on you. Do you know if people have, like, if they just do them themselves though? And they're like, Hey, Amazon, I know you're wrong. Uh, is, is that, is that an actual fear that people can have? They, they should be saying many- your
1: inventory. You lost it. I mean, we fight with Amazon four to five times until we say, Hey, we, we've tried our best. So we definitely we're not we're not scared of them. And right. if you understand the policies and you understand how they work, then you should for sure keep fighting until you feel like you've done your best.
0: Yeah. What um what's kind of the growth area for you guys as a company? I I mean from our perspective, there's lots of and then this is kind of my personal take. I'll kind of give an insight to you for all the sellers who are listening out there for 2021. My prediction is I think there's a lot more diversification. I think that, uh, Amazon sellers and brands in general have seen just like, they've been too dependent on just Amazon themselves and diversification hasn't happened to the length, to the point where I think, um, is needed to make sure that you're safe in case, uh, we have something like we'd had back in April or may where, you know, they just weren't accepting goods or they weren't accepting necessary goods because their fulfillment cylinders were at capacity. Um, where. What's kind of your, um, what's kind of your kind of growth trajectory? Are you guys looking to diversify into more marketplaces or more countries? What, what's kind of that, that futuristic
1: sure. approach? So I'll, try, I'll tell you just two things that are on the, I
0: mean, we're already beta testing them,
1: we the agenda, them.
0: right? It's this yeah. is the agenda.
1: So storage fees is a category that we are releasing this, uh, in the next two weeks, I'd say so on top of FBA fees, where Amazon mismeasured and, and overcharged you on the delivery. They also mischarge you on the storage for the times that you didn't sell a product, rather you had them stored in Amazon's warehouse and you paid for that. Um, so because they mismeasured it, you potentially took up more space than you did because the inventory was much smaller than what they charge you for. So that's a category that we're adding, um, which was dependent on FBA fees. What we are working on currently, something new, is we have about you know twenty to thirty virtual assistants working on our. our sellers accounts so actually opening up the cases for the sellers clicking the same buttons uh we got very good at managing this you know really big team you know with sops step-by-step guidance um and the challenge that many sellers have with virtual assistants in general which is you know managing them making sure they have work to do making sure that they get it right tracking every single step of the process that is a huge challenge for sellers because you know they're busy trying to do what they want to do um they don't maybe have the time to manage a virtual assistant or overseas employee to make sure that that person is, you know, doing the right work or at least has enough to do. Um, and we got many requests saying, Hey, the virtual assistant running my seller locker account is doing a great job. He's following up on all the cases he's, um, you know, getting the documents. It seems like you guys have great SOPs and I have experience and my partners have experience selling on Amazon for a really long time. What else can you teach them to do? Um, and then we put together a list of about 40 different things that, we can train our virtual assistants to do, and we started training them, taking them to you know to the next level, um, and that's what we've done. We have about 20 beta testers now that are working with our virtual assistants at a higher capacity, not just to open up cases, but to um, to do two things. So we have 40 things that the VAs can do for your account on a weekly basis. So these are the 40 things you can pick whichever ones are you know relevant to you, and they'll do these checked items. And then the seller themselves can also give them their own tasks, you know, some personal tasks. We're working on a Chrome extension now that, you know, with a click of a button, they can create a quick task for their VA that screenshots the screen or takes a small video for them and sends it to their VA. And, and through that Chrome extension, they'll be able to just manage the different tasks. Uh, but what we what we found is, you know, sellers are really, really busy. They don't have the time to manage. They barely have the time to instruct the VA what to do. And if we can make it seamless to the point where they can click a button, record something or send a screenshot or write a quick message to their VAs, um they can potentially send them work our tool will manage the process and we'll you know be on top of them with regards to training Um, we're already doing it um for a few you know for 600 sellers on our reimbursement va program um and like we said we have a ton of knowledge let's go ahead and advance it further so our va program is definitely something that's new it's um very highly trained virtual assistants working on these accounts um with these 40 different tasks plus their own personal tasks that the sellers are sharing with them i think you're on mute ryan
0: there you go see look i can't produce and talk at the <laughs> same time this is uh what happens for everyone everyone knows this is not the first time I've i've talked when i'm on mute so i always try to to tune out all the background noise when someone else is talking. So the beauty of being live. So when people listen to this later, they'll remind themselves, Ryan, you're not a full professional on podcast. But anyways, uh, we do best what we can. So when um, when we're talking VAs, so that's a good point. We've had a couple um, people on the uh, show, our, our friends, uh, Gilad from VAA Philippines, and we've had a couple other um, uh, companies that have actually – talked about VAs and how they can work with Amazon sellers. And that's one point I don't think I've, uh, that we touched on was utilizing VAs to really, uh, to manage your, to, to kind of the seller locker perspective of recovery and uh, lost damaged goods, or, you know, recovering those, those things. How are you, are you partnering with other companies or Are you guys yourselves you're teaching, uh, VAs how to work on behalf of the, uh, Amazon seller?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we built the tool, the tool is built for sellers to use. So it's so simple to the point where sellers can do it just three clicks. There's a lot of different other p- parts of the process, which we've streamlined with different you know, tools. Uh, and what we did is we partnered with a virtual assistant company. Um, we gave them our level of training, our version of training. So they go through a whole training with that company. They come on board with us and we have our own uh, period of training where we shine i guess like i mentioned before is the software so being able to create these sops tracking the entire process being able to pinpoint where the issues are troubleshooting i guess and then fixing it and going forward um, with better efficiency that's where a lot of sellers have a hard time working with vas they don't have the time to go ahead and do that but because we're doing it already for five or six hundred sellers in the reimbursement space it was really easy for us to channel that into other um, you know, high touch categories that sellers need help with on a day-to-day basis.
0: Awesome. So is that, so you said that's a growth area in terms of where people are or you guys as a company are going to grow more. Um, what's kind of the, the hardest thing to do in terms of like uh maybe teaching a BA or kind of making sure that they're following your same SOPs or systems to make sure that everything falls in line. You're, you're offering, you know, sellers one thing and you have to follow through on that and you're relying on other people to do that work too. What's kind of that, is that stressful for you or is that something that you just have developed a, a great solution in place and found trustworthy VAs?
1: so i i watched your show from last night i was you know hanging out my wife was working i watched your show from yesterday i think it was from yesterday from last week and i think david from amazon experts said something really good um uh, he said that you know a yeah. lot of people come with their own training and they right. have their own ways of doing things and sometimes it's hard especially you're not next to them you can't just look over their shoulder and say hey you know you clicked the wrong button here you should have done this instead um so initially that was an issue that we had you know, being able to track and monitor every single thing that the VA is doing and making sure they're following the steps when they have their own quicker method, even though they think it's the best thing to do, um, but we have our way of doing things. Um, so we had that similar experience and we had to use tools that can monitor the screen, make sure that the steps are being followed. Um, that was a challenge. It's something that you know we've definitely streamlined and working pretty well. So we have five to six hundred clients now all working with the VA seamlessly and um, all we have to do is add more types of issues or things that the the vas can do in my opinion there's certain things that sellers themselves have to do i'm not against agencies in general but you know the seller has to be involved in a major capacity with the direction of their business um, the expected sales that they're you know hoping to get what they're spending in advertising they of course need to wear that hat and understand it and be on top of it whether they're using service providers to take the actions, but there's so many things that the VAs themselves can do and bring it to your attention once it really needs to be escalated. Like case management, besides reimbursements, you know, every day a seller can sign in and there's five or six stranded thin- things of inventory or suppressed listings, or you're not in the buy box for whatever reason, the title got changed. So now your sales dropped. These are things that a seller themselves only has eight to 10 hours of the day are they going to go ahead and spend their time doing that, opening up these 10 cases, going back and forth and confirming that it gets done? Or can they quickly instruct a virtual assistant, especially if that virtual assistant is trained in case management, to go ahead and create a process around that and just follow up and bring them, hey, hey, Ryan, these are you know the eight issues, six of them are done, the two of them I'm following up. This was my response. I believe this is how I should follow up. What do you think? And if they don't get an answer, they follow up accordingly. But I'm saying right. these are things that the seller in no way should be focusing on especially if they don't have the, you know, the team for it.
0: Yeah. The word, the word I think of is efficiency in that model of, Hey, you just don't have the time again. What from ping pong's perspective, we're trying to do one of three things, obviously save time, save effort or save money. I think, I think that's what every service provider in this kind of e-commerce space is looking to do. Um, so specifically in that case, it's saving time. It's also saving money. So you're hitting, I want to say you're sit or oh, you're almost hitting all three, I think. So look at, look at you guys um, with, um, so this year for you guys, um, crazy time right obviously uh 2020 has been weird uh this is a busy time of year for amazon sellers uh do you feel like your your business has seen a lot more uh traction because of how things have kind of worked itself out for this year and then maybe part two of that question would be do you see a seasonality where a lot of these issues happen Uh, where people just like recovery is like higher in you know, Q4 because there's just more shipments and there's more velocity in Q4. Um, maybe, maybe work from the beginning of 2020 and what your expectations were, how it's affected you guys. And then if you could kind of maybe chime in on that second part too.
1: Yeah. So we did a lot of building in 2019 for growth in 2020. You no, know, we have we were ready for the trade shows and all that stuff for huge customer <laughs> uh, we did a lot of preparation for that. And then you know we had in march the trade shows get cancelled and our recoveries were all the way up here you know shipments were flowing in we had a ton of sellers and what ended up happening was you know all those limitations on shipments and the restrictions and you can't send inventory only necessary products that definitely took a toll for our company being that that is the biggest category which we felt for a few months because if you can't send an inventory amazon can't make mistakes um so that affected a lot of our sellers and some of our, you know, bigger sellers, um, and we kind of had to just refocus, strengthen the team, strengthen a lot of what we were doing with the virtual assistants, creating a lot of uh, processes in place to to be more prepared once those limitations were, you know, lifted. Like I mentioned, with the VAs being more on top of them, uh, making sure our, you know, our code base is strong and all of those things. And we also expanded into those other categories with the with the va companies we also released you know an image optimization portion of our tool we brought on a copywriter to work with us because we get requests all day long um hey can you do this for me can you do that for me so we started looking into those things while we had the time and then you know thankfully when the inventory started coming in we had that you know increase once again which is great but it was you know we had it we had a high we had a major low and then thankfully you know we're getting back on our feet and it forced us to go into the digital marketing space. You know, when we go to trade shows, we definitely make a splash. It's cool to show the software on the spot with the products that people have had recoveries on. It was something fun that we you know, totally enjoyed and had a great appeal at these trade shows, but without the trade shows, we had to move towards the digital marketing space, webinars, uh, you know, Google ads and all that stuff. So it definitely helped us. but we had to really change our focus because of all that went on and because of, you know, there's no, there's no more trade shows for now.
0: Right. That, i mean that's what other businesses do they the great ones adapt and they they move forward and they change with the times i think it's kind of cool uh in spe- especially seven months i guess what more than seven months now at this point probably eight months or nine months that people have had to add and flow i know that there's fatigue and like webinars and like things like this i know specifically for me we were going to be traveling to a bunch of shows have a bunch of you know events ourselves and then travel a bunch um but I think that's the one major thing that a lot of people are, like kind of take for granted, or I think they won't take for granted moving forward, is the personal relationships that this business kind of thrives on, is meeting people face-to-face, kind of working out partnership deals, or at least learning about different companies um, in the face-to-face model. What is maybe 2020, if you dare to predict or dare to give like your wish list for 2021, what do you think that, what are your expectations kind of for, for the new year? My expectations for Amazon sellers. Uh, yeah, Amazon sellers. Uh, the company, just the industry in general.
1: Well, I definitely see. You know, we're all we're seeing all the sellers and the, and the sales that these companies are doing have exploded. For some companies, even by fifty percent since this all started. So, a, a lot more uh, inventory going back and forth. Mistakes are huge right now. We're seeing a lot more mistakes than we've ever had in the past, um, and we're managing those mistakes, which is great. So. We don't want them to make mistakes, but we're definitely on top of it when it happens and sellers themselves, they're going to be, you know, scaling their business. It's just how quickly they can go ahead and capitalize on the new sales that they got and go ahead and either expand into new categories or, um, just keep in stock and to make sure that they're totally on top of their game in all the different aspects.
0: Really cool. What, um, I know we're butting up on time and we're kind of like capping off the, the end of this call again, for everyone who didn't get a chance to listen to this live. Uh, if you have a question, just comment in the, in the stream on the YouTube link. Uh, we'll make sure that we tag or get in touch with Joseph, but Joseph, before we kind of cap off, what's the best way that people can get in touch with you at Seller Locker? Um, just have questions in general about what you guys do, sure. the industry in general.
1: Sure. So one thing I wanted to just call out, um, I don't think we did this yet, but I'll definitely give you the link. Um, we'll give whoever maybe signs up after hearing this uh, webinar the uh, we'll give the first five hundred dollars in recoveries free. So nice. I'll give you that link and you can share that and, and everyone can get their feet wet and see you know the Sell Locker difference per se as to you know maybe why we monitor it either differently or our processes can help them recover more money. Um, we can do a free audit on their account so they go to SellLocker.com, they click get a demo. Um, our little drift bot will jump up and one of our salesmen or account specialists will start talking to you and book a demo with you on that call. We'll go ahead and see maybe what other companies missed or what you yourself doing it on your own missed, or maybe the other categories that we cover that others haven't that can help you get that money back. And 48 hours later, you can already start getting recoveries to your account. Um, and we work with sellers, you know, big and small from the, you know, guys just getting started. And we work with the most enterprise level sellers on Amazon. We have sellers who have recovered a million dollars this year winning over 10,000 cases. Um, so we have the right
0: pricing structure for
1: everybody. We can- that's, that's, the, uh,
0: that's that. the money with your tongue out emoji. That's that's yeah. a lot of <laughs> recovery. That was a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of back and forth. <laughs> yeah, 10, <laughs> <ounces>. <laughs> Gosh. What's uh? So yeah, uh, why don't you here, this is what we'll do for people who watch this. Uh, again, for everyone who's listening live, awesome. We'll put the link, joseph will i'll actually ask him to put the link in those posts that we featured this video on both linkedin and on facebook and then that way they can have a direct place to go ahead and click and then when you're talking to seller locker again this is it's like the gift of uh, the season of giving so this is not something that we had planned before this so thank you for this uh go ahead and uh, mention crossover commerce to him if this is where you heard it or saw the link um and then that way we can kind of track and see uh, more information and do stuff like this for the future. But this is obviously just more conversational of like the topic you're covering, money, but thank you for that. It's really cool for our audience listening out. There. So take advantage of that. We'll make sure we put the links in the post as well. Um, when, what, what are your expectations for the rest of the year? Personally, professionally, what do you, what are you uh, focused on?
1: Right now it's digital marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the team's ready the salesmen are ready the tools working great we're adding new categories the, the va program is working really well um more exposure in this new age
0: yeah and do you have any kind of like uh, kind of wishes for like or like biggest you know maybe like what the failures that you guys did uh have in 2020 what, what you're kind of like iterating on in 2021 is there like things that you wish like amazon would release or is there any kind of like a? I, I had this on, uh, a couple days ago i think on the talk with david i said what's your wish list that amazon would do for the amazon community and he kind of gave me the top three as well do you have anything similar to that
1: i mean yeah i mean the, the language that they use in their responses you know totally you know random and and new things are happening all the time. Just last week, Amazon changed their entire interface and dashboard and the entire code base on the front page of Amazon was different. And the support page of Amazon was different. Um, Totally affected our business with no zero notice happened. You know, just randomly signed on, got a bunch of, you know, Hey, the tool's not working currently. You know, what do we do? Zero notice on any changes. But I guess that's just the way things happen. you know, we have to react as quickly as we can. Um, So I, Obviously, I wish there'd be more communication from that perspective, but it is what it is. We're just going to keep, you know, plowing away, and we'll make the changes as we need to.
0: That's awesome. Well, I think that's a good place to leave this. Again, for people who are interested in Seller Locker or just have questions for Joseph, uh, definitely reach out to him on social media. I know you're active on LinkedIn. Um, are you guys does Seller Locker have official pages that they should go to or like or follow as well? Yeah,
1: I'll, I'll share that in the. Um, I'll share that with you.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So make sure again for everyone who's watching us live. Thanks for joining in. I'll go ahead and cap off this episode of Crossover Commerce. My name is Ryan Kramer. I'm the host of this show. I work for Ping Pong Payments. We're a global uh, you know, crossover, uh, cross-border payments solution and helping pay suppliers company. Uh, you guys know the drill. Make sure you follow, like, and share these videos with your audiences so that they can get these tidbits of knowledge and apply to their own businesses. And again, subscribe or like our videos on Facebook, YouTube, YouTube linkedin and twitter so thank you joseph again for joining me today it's i mean it's awesome catching up with you guys and seeing what you guys did 2020 sucks i think we all can agree Uh, it never went it never goes as what planned so i think the out whole adage is like when god uh or when man plans god laughs i think that's the whole thing that we can apply this year but thank you so much for joining us today and then yeah and then uh good luck for the rest of the year and we guys have a plan going forward